Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. As a companion piece to Cold-Blooded, these are just some additional episodes to give you a greater insight into the crimes and lives of Private Carl Holton, alias Ricky Allen, and Elizabeth Baker, alias Georgina Grayson. The regular episodes of Murder Mile return at the end of January, with possibly a little surprise in between. Until then, thank you, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Okie dokie, folks. So let's do uh, Elizabeth's second statement. This is the, she came in the same day. So it's uh, 11th of October again. It's the same day. It's immediately afterwards. She's already spoken to Harry Kimber. Harry Kimber said, you've got to go into the police station and tell them everything. So this is, this is a couple of hours later. Uh, so this is her, um, coming in and doing more of a confession. Um, now I've broken this down into, uh, two parts because it's an eight page statement uh it's gonna knacker you out it's gonna knacker me out i think it's about half an hour each so uh you can take your time with this (laughs) uh but here we go okay um recorded at uh hammersmith police station f division 11th of october 1944 uh statement of elizabeth marina jones age 18 right uh The statement I have made to you this morning is incorrect for the most part, and I wish to tell you the whole truth about my association with Ricky Allen. I first met him on Tuesday the 3rd of October 1944 in a cafe in Hammersmith Broadway, and I was introduced to him by Lenny, that's Len Bexley. I don't know his last name. I'll interject every so often, just just to clarify details when we need to. Um, He asked me to meet him at 11.30pm that night and to go for a drive. The meeting place was outside of the Broadway cinema. I turned up and he was not there. I was on my way home up King Street, Hammersmith, when I was hailed by a man arriving in an American lorry. I recognised the voice of being that of Ricky and I got into the truck with him. Uh, It was a big truck. It had ten wheels. It was actually six. uh, And we drove to Reading. Um, So... Uh, as you'll see with Ricky's statement, this is pretty much about accurate. This is true. Ricky was... So there's a boat going past. Normally I would edit this out, but in uh, these extra pieces, it's fine. I'm all right with that. You won't hear me getting angry about shit. Maybe I will. Who knows? Um, so uh, Ricky confirmed that this was the way it happened as well. I think it's unlikely that they got together and made an agreement on kind of a lie here because it seems an irrelevant piece to kind of lie about. So this, I, I think this is as near to the truth as we'll get. She continues. I told, I told him in the truck that I would like to do something dangerous, meaning to go over Germany in a bomber. I meant this, but he got me wrong. He then told me that he was... He, he then told me what he was doing and showed me a gun which he pulled out from the inside of his pocket or it might have been hooked to his trousers. He went on to say that he had killed a member 
he, he had killed a number of people in Chicago with a gun. He told me that he had done a lot of it over here. Uh, I then asked him why he was not with his unit. Uh, he was dressed in an officer's uniform and he replied, my unit is in Holland. They weren't, they were in Reading. Um, when he got to Reading, uh, actually, some of his unit were actually uh, at the D-Day landings because that had taken place. Some had gone to, to Holland. So she's slightly right. Uh, when we got to Reading, uh, he drove around the town and we started backwards towards London at about two o'clock. That'd be in the morning. Uh, when we got on the road back, as far as I can say, near Maidenhead, but I know it was on the London to Bath Road, we passed a girl on a bicycle going in the same direction. We drove on for about five minutes and pulled up at the side of the road. Uh, he got out and waited for the girl on the bicycle to come along. I sat in the truck and the girl came alongside the truck. I saw him push her off her bicycle uh, when it was still going and she fell onto the road. She screamed, don't touch me. Uh, and as it was a clear night, I saw him pick up something and the girl ran off. Ricky climbed back into the lobby and I drove off. It was a left-hand drive and during the night he'd taught me to drive. As we were driving along at a fast speed, Ricky drew my attention to the girl who was crouching in the shrubbery at the side of the road. I think in the front of a garden of a house. As we were going along, Ricky looked through the girl's handbag. We just go to the next page, page two. Um, oh, come on, page two. Where are you, you bugger? All right. There we go, page two. Uh, bear with, bear with. Uh, as we were driving along, Ricky climbed over me and took over the wheel. Uh, he asked me to look through the bag. I saw inside was a book and half of a clothing coupon, about nine shillings in money and letters and photographs. It was a big bag with a small handbag inside. I also saw in it was sanitary towels, a face towel, soap and a flannel. I'm not sure, but I believe there were some pyjamas in it too. Ricky took out the money and the clothing coupons and threw the handbag uh, and the big bag away into the road as we were driving along. We got back into London at about five o'clock in the morning and I left him uh, and went indoors. He drove me in the truck to the door and I don't know where he went. Uh, he knew my name was Georgina Grayson, my stage name, and I gave him my address before we went. He called for me at my flat about five in the afternoon uh, last Thursday, and we went and ate afterwards and went to the Gaumont Cinema in Hammersmith. We came out of the cinema at about five thirty. Oh, sorry, about eight thirty, and entered a cafe in Hammersmith Broadway. Uh, just as we got to the door, the sirens sounded. Um, uh, about three quarters of an hour after we left the cafe, uh, he said, we'll go and do another job. I, I understood he meant to go and steal some money from somebody. He took me around to the Gaumont Cinema car park and I saw the American 10 wheeled truck. We got into the truck, which Ricky drove to Reading. Um, in this, she's entirely missed the fact that they'd had uh, taken the, the young girls. Don't forget, we still don't know the name of that girl there. Taken those the young girls' possessions and they kind of sold them off to people. She's entirely missed that. Um, 
So uh, the truck is driving to Reading. As we neared Reading, he said, I'm going to break into the White Hart Hotel and get some money. He pulled up outside of the hotel, uh, which is on the right-hand side of the road. It was never really established exactly where that hotel was. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, but got the but got the feeling that we were being watched and Ricky drove away, away returning to London by a different road. We went into the West End and then Marble Arch... Uh, where we saw a cab i said i'm he sorry he said i'm going to follow it and take the money of the driver now don't forget in the episode uh, if you we're going to do uh ricky's statements carl's statements as well but he said it was her decision to to uh tr get a taxi driver and then rob him uh we followed the cab for a while and he stopped uh ricky told me we we're in cricklewood he said the he saw that we saw the cab stop and somebody alighted and the cab waited for a while we stopped around 400 yards behind the cab then the cab turned round and passed us ricky then turned round and followed him for about 10 minutes until he got to a lonely spot and ricky drove up ahead of him forcing the cab to stop ricky pulled out his revolver jumped down into the roadway went up to the cabbie and said i want your money I heard the cabbie say, I've just come out. Um, I heard somebody call out from inside the cab, follow him. Ricky jumped back into the truck and drove away quickly. He told me that an American officer was in the cab. The cab began to follow us, but we lost him. I think that was about 1.30 in the morning. Uh, so don't forget, that's the cab with uh, John Strangeway in it and the American officer who was in the back. So that's that's up in Kilburn, uh, which is which is right. That's kind of they started in Cricklewood, but then they drove back in through uh, Kilburn, which is kind of heading south. Uh, we drove for some way and then we saw a girl walking along the pavement carrying a case. Ricky stopped her and asked if she wanted a lift. She said, yes, I want to get to Paddington Station to catch a train to Bristol. Ricky told her to jump into the truck and she got in between us. Ricky put her suitcase in the back of the truck. We rode out of London along the river. Uh, she said her name was Tableau. Um, it's interesting because obviously her name was Violet. Uh, because she was dark and Ricky stopped the truck uh, and drove to the grass very close to the river. Uh, I know there were trees there. So this is uh, a Belweir lock. So she's missed most of the journey there. Uh, she's also missed out the fact that, don't forget, Ricky says that it was her decision to pick up a girl and assault a girl. So... We'll never really know the truth on this because both of them are blaming each other. It, it kind of got to that point where it was like, right, we're going to blame each other. Um, okay, so you just arrived at Belweir Lock. Uh, he said he had stopped because he had a flat tyre. I told the woman uh, that I was his wife. Uh, we all got out of the truck and there was uh, and there was a flat tyre, the near side back one. Ricky looked for some tools Um couldn't find what he wanted and then we got back into the truck and drove on a short way i noticed that ricky was looking around as he was driving suddenly he swung the lorry around in the opposite direction and stopped on the grass he asked the girl and i to get down let me just change page uh number three bear with bear with all right uh and he said he had to change the wheel uh 
I know he couldn't change the wheel because the lorry was too heavy to lift. I mean, it's, it's a two-and-a-half-ton truck. It's not something he could have done by himself. Uh, he called me round to the back of the lorry and said to me, get the girls back to me. I understood him to mean that he wanted uh, me to fix it so that the girl had her back t- to him. I realised that he meant to do something to the girl, and I said, OK. As you do, you just say, oh, OK, you're going to assault a girl. Oh, OK. Uh, I offered a don't forget in this point she's already kind of made it clear that to the police that um, he threatened her and that's why she went along with it but he also is saying that uh, she's the one goading him along so again with this um, we'll read Ricky's statements as well but it's kind of like it's hard to really pin down who is telling the truth and who is the one that's leading this who is is one frightened of the other in my honest opinion, I think it's a bad chemistry. I think they're. I think he's trying to impress her. I think she's goading him. I, I whether she thinks he'll go that far, or whether she wants him to go that far, whether he even th- knows that he can go that far, i.e., killing someone. I, yeah, I, th- I think it's. I think there's a lot of miscommunication. I think there's a lot of bad chemistry. I think there's a, you know, a lot going on between them that, um, uh, or kind of like you know like hindley and brady i think there's uh i think there's a lot of badness going there within them um so let's let's dive on uh she said uh okay i offered the her uh, the girl a cigarette and i gave her a light with my lighter trying to do what ricky had told me to do but i think he must uh, but i think she must have heard what ricky had said to me because she would not turn her back to him I said quietly to Ricky, I think she is wise to it. Uh, The person here has written the word wide to it. Um, Ricky asked me in a loud voice to get some tools or other. I forget what from behind the seat of the truck. So I went to the seat of the truck but couldn't find any. The girl had heard Ricky call me Georgie by name. And while uh, I was at the seat of the truck, I heard her shout out, Georgie, don't let him do it. I saw that uh, he was. I saw that he was attacking her, and she yelled again, "Stop him!" They were right behind me, and Ricky asked me to help him. Ricky got her down on the ground, and I held her legs. When I looked down on the grass, I saw what appeared to be uh, a heavy-looking iron bar with a sort of knob in the middle of it. It was a, a, a tire iron for um, uh, undoing the lug nuts on on the, the truck's wheels. Um, Ricky then put his hands around my neck and I thought he was strangling her she made a gurgling sound and I saw blood coming from her mouth and her head was bleeding she was struggling and Ricky tightened his grip around her throat I still held onto her legs and Ricky took hold of her throat for about 10 minutes uh, before she became limp I thought she was dead then Ricky said I'm going to throw her into the river he picked her up Uh, He picked up her shoulders, I picked up her legs, and we carried her to the edge of the river. But I told Ricky, do not throw her in, and we left her there. So she's saying, we left her on the side of the bank. Um, Obviously, I don't, if you remember the story, I don't think they, either of them knew that uh, at that time of the evening, you're kind of going from high tide to low tides, actually. It was kind of redundant. Uh, Ricky then went back, picked up the iron bar, and threw that into the river with a splash. Um... We then made sure there was nothing lying on the ground and drove away. Um, obviously, she doesn't mention anything about laughing and um, going through the stuff. 
which is what this is why I want to do both statements because when you, what I try to do with the episode is try and tell you the the more factual side of what what is most likely to have happened and also a little bit of perspective in there uh, but with these statements this is kind of their own personal version which is why you should never wholeheartedly believe a statement because it's not it's not going to be a hundred percent true let me just have a swig of water normally i don't do this much talking but uh here we go uh this is page three we'll do one more page then we'll take a break i think you deserve one. Oh, right before we drove away oh i can't even say the words before we drove away before we drove away ricky told me to search her pockets and i found about six shillings in her coat pocket which i gave to ricky i looked in the girl's handbag uh, which had been left on the seat as we drove along. Uh, after only finding papers and photographs, Ricky threw them away out of the truck window. The handbag is in my flat at the moment. It is in the wardrobe. Um, did she keep it there because she wanted it as a souvenir or did she keep it there because she wanted it to implicate Ricky? Um, we drove back to my flat and Ricky took the girl's suitcase and blanket from the truck into my room. Ricky then took the truck away and came back uh, within a short time and told me he had left the truck in Ravenscourt Park, which is not too far away. Um, we went to my room and examined the contents of the suitcase. The suitcase and part of the stuff I see in this room, so that's the uh, interrogation room that she's in with the police, the questioning room, inverted commas, uh, is part of the stuff which belongs to the girl. After examining the suitcase, Ricky and I went to bed. The only thing you haven't got is the handbag and the coat, which is in my room. Soon after we got into Ricky, soon after we got in, Sorry, there's no comma there. <laughs> that would have been a very difficult story. Soon after we got into Ricky. Um, soon after we got in, Ricky noticed a very large patch on each of his trouser leg uh, and on the leather jacket he was wearing. Uh, and he said, you'll have to go and take it. Take my valise tomorrow. Let's go to part four. Uh, sorry, page four. Um, it's the last one and then we'll take a break. I'll take a break just before we get to this end of this statement. Okay. Uh, we stopped in bed until 10 to 3 in the in uh, on Friday afternoon and got up. Um, he then gave me the railway cloakroom ticket and he asked me to go to Hammersmith Metropolitan Station uh, to get the valis. The valis meaning, meaning the uh, his army bag. I did as he asked me to do and brought back the valis. He took out a pair of trousers out of the valis and put the bloodstained trousers back in their place. The bloodstained trousers are in the valis. The American officer took them away when you called this morning. So that was uh, Dr. Robert DeMott, who was the, the American lawyer on behalf of the, the US military who turned up. Um, he, i.e. Ricky, went out at 4.30pm and promised to call me at about 6 o'clock. He didn't come and I stayed in. At about 11.30pm I heard a whistle coming from the street outside and I went down to the street door because I recognised it was Ricky's whistle. This was an arrangement we had made previously. He had come indoors and then said, uh, come on let's go and get a taxi. I knew the meaning behind his words that he wanted to go with me to rob a taxi, taxi cab driver. Okay, so this is leading up to uh, the murder of George Heath. 
Uh, now, what I did with, with the episode, uh, the George Heath episode, was I kind of told it all from his perspective, Heath's perspective, because I wanted it to be his story. But what that meant is I couldn't tell you how Georgie saw it and how Ricky saw it. I'm using their aliases now. But that's what we're going to see here is kind of their perspective of it. Um, we we walked along Hammersmith Road and stood in a shop doorway opposite Cadby Hall. So that is the, that is on Hammersmith Road and the corner of corner of Munston Street. Uh, if you're a patron subscriber, I've uploaded photographs of that corner. Um, uh, oh, I also did a little video as well. You, it's it's on TikTok. You can have a look at that. After after about ten minutes, a grey Ford car approached us very slowly, like a taxi cab. It was coming from the direction of Hammersmith Broadway. I yelled taxi and it stopped. Ricky thought it was a naval car. Don't forget this is a private hire cab, not a black cab. Black cabs are very specific kind of types. Um, if you're a private hire, you can use any type. So uh, Ricky thought it was kind of uh, a military car. Uh, Ricky thought it was a naval car and Ricky stopped in the shop doorway while I went over to speak to the driver. I said, are you a taxi? And he said, private hire, where do you want to go? I replied, wait a minute and went back to Ricky. I told him it was a private hire and he asked me how many men were in it. I told him only the driver. So we went across to the car and Ricky asked the driver to take us up to the top of King Street. Uh, I know now that the driver was called George Heath, for reasons I will tell you later. He told Ricky that the fare would be about 10 shillings, and Ricky said, that's all right. Uh, I know that Ricky had 19 shillings in his pocket, and that, that he also had 10 shillings and threepence. We got into the car and drove down King Street. After a while, Heath said, we passed King Street, where do you want to go? Ricky said, it's farther on, I don't mind paying more. Heath seemed cross, but drove on. And when we came to the roundabout, so that's the Chiswick roundabout, Heath said, this is this is Great West Road. Ricky said, uh, sorry, uh, Ricky and I were sitting in the back seat of a saloon car. And as we got into the got into the Great West Road, Ricky told Heath to drive slowly. And when we had traveled about 300 yards before reaching a bridge, Ricky said to Heath, uh, we'll get out here. And Heath stopped. Just as we were passing the roundabout, I heard a click and saw that Ricky had his automatic, that's his pistol, in his right hand. I realised that Ricky was going to frighten the driver with his gun and to take his money because we had passed my house on the way. So, I think we need a break. I'm going to stop it here. Um, immediately after this, I'm going to upload part two. So you can listen to part two. 20 minute chunks i think that's enough isn't it otherwise because my throat is about to die and i think i need a cup of tea so um come back for that part two and we'll finish the second part of elizabeth's statements thank you for supporting the show folks stay safe lots of love bye bye if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.